Imagine your new bathroom, a sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels. show on civil rights. My name is Barbara Bullen and I'm one of the radio hosts for the New Heights show on education and the New Heights educational group. I hope you enjoy the show and I'm asking our listeners to consider becoming a sponsor. This show is pre-recorded. This show is the third based on Elizabeth Cady Stanton, writer, suffragist, women's rights activist and abolition and will be on the report of the Seneca Falls Convention with a Declaration of Sentiments taken from www.virginiamemory.com Report of the Seneca Falls Convention with the Declaration of Sentiments July 1848 report of the women's rights convention held at seneca falls new york july the 19th and 20th 1848 rochester printed by john dick at the north star office 1848 report a convention to discuss the social civil and religious condition of women was called by the women of Seneca County, New York, and held at the village of Seneca Falls in the Wesleyan Chapel on the 19th and 20th of July, 1848. The question was discussed throughout two entire days, the first day by women exclusively, the second day men participated in the deliberations. Lucretia Mott of Philadelphia was the moving spirit of the occasion. On the morning of the 19th, the convention assembled at 11 o'clock. The meeting was organized by appointing Mary McClinton, McClintock, secretary. The object of the meeting was then stated by Elizabeth C. Stanton, after which remarks were made by Lucretia Mott, urging the women present to throw aside the trammels of education and not allow their new position to prevent them from joining in the debates of the meeting. The Declaration of Sentiments offered for the acceptance of the Convention was then read by E. C. Stanton. 
a proposition was made to have it re-read by paragraph and after much consideration some changes were suggested and adopted the propriety of obtaining the signatures of men to the declaration was discussed in an animated manner a vote in favor was given but concluding that the final decision would be the legitimate business of the next day was referred adjourned to half past two in the afternoon the meeting assembled according to adjournment and was opened by reading the minutes of the morning session e c stanton then addressed the meeting and was followed by lucretia mott the reading of the declaration was called for in addition having been inserted since the morning session a vote taken upon the amendment was carried and papers circulated to obtain signatures the following resolutions were then read whereas the great precept of nature is conceded to be that man shall pursue his own true and substantial happiness blackstone in his commentaries remarks that this law of nature being coeval with mankind and dictated by god himself is of course superior in ob obligation to any other it is binding over all the globe in all countries and at all times no human laws are of any validity if contrary to this and such of them as are valid derive all their force and all their validity and all their authority immediately and immediately from this original therefore resolved that such laws as conflict in any way with the true and substantial happiness of women are contrary to the great precepts of nature and have no validity for this is superior in obligation to any other resolved that all laws which prevent women from occupying such a station in society as a conscience shall dictate or which place her in a position inferior to that of man are contrary to the great precept of nature and therefore of no force or authority resolved that woman is man's equal was intended to be so by the creator and the highest good of the race demands that she should be recognized as such resolved that the women of this country ought to be enlightened in regard to the laws under which they live that they may no longer publish their degradation by declaring themselves satisfied with their present position nor their ignorance by asserting that they have all the rights they want resolved that inasmuch as man while claiming for himself intellectual superiority does accord to woman moral superiority it is preeminently his duty to encourage her to speak and teach as she has an opportunity in all religious assemblies resolved that the same amount of virtue delicacy and refinement of behavior that is required of woman in the social state shall also be required of man and the same transgression shall be visited with equal severity on both man and woman resolved that the objection of indelicacy and impropriety which is so often brought against woman when she addresses a public audience 
comes with a very ill grace from those who encourage by their attendance her appearance on the stage in the concert or in the feats of the circus resolved that woman has too long rested satisfied in the in circumscribed limits which corrupt customs and a perverted application of the scriptures have marked out for her and that it is time she should move in the enlarged sphere which her great creator has assigned her resolved that it is the duty of the women of this country to secure to themselves the sacred right to the elected franchise resolved that the equality of human rights results necessarily from the fact of the identity of the race in capabilities and responsibilities resolved therefore that being invested by the creator with the same capabilities and the same consciousness of responsibility for the exercise it is demonstrable demonstrable the right and duty of woman equally with man to promote every righteous cause by every righteous means and especially in regards to the great objects of morals and religion it is self-evidently her right to participate with her brother in teaching them both in private and in public by writing and by speaking by any instrumentalities proper to be used and in any assemblies proper to be held and this being a self-evident truth growing out of the divinely implanted principles of human nature any custom or authority adverse to it whether modern or wearing the hoary sanction of antiquity is to be regarded as self-evident falsehood and at war with the interests of mankind lucretia mott read a humorous article from a newspaper written by martha c wright after an address by e w mcclintock the meeting adjourned to ten o'clock the next morning in the evening lucretia mott spoke with her usual eloquence and power to a large and intelligent audience on the subject of reforms in general thursday morning the conventional assembled at the hour appointed james mott of philadelphia in the chair the meetings of the previous day having been read e c stanton again read the declaration of sentiments which was freely discussed by lucretia mott ansel bascom s e woodworth thomas and mary ann mcclintock frederick douglas amy post Catherine Stebbins and Elizabeth C. Stanton, and was unanimously adopted as follows: as follows, Declaration of Sentiments. When, in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one portion of the family of man to assume among the people of the earth a position different from that which they have hitherto occupied, but one to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes that impel them to such a course we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men and women are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights that among these are life liberty and the pursuit of happiness that to secure those rights governments are instituted deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed 
Whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of those who suffer from it to refuse allegiance to it and to insist upon the institution of a new government laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to effect their safety and happiness. Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes, and accordingly all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of the women under this government, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to demand the equal station to which they are entitled. The history of mankind is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations on the part of man towards woman, having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over her. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. He has never permitted her to exercise her inalienable right to the elective franchise. He has compelled her to submit to laws in the formation of which she had no voice. He has withheld from her rights which are given to the most ignorant and degraded men, both natives and foreigners. Having deprived her of this first right of a citizen, the elective franchise thereby leaving her without representation in the halls of legislation, he has oppressed her on all sides. He has made her, if married, in the eye of the law, civilly dead. He has taken from her all right in property, even to the wages she earns. He has made her morally an irresponsible being, as she can commit many crimes with impunity, provided they be done in the presence of her husband. In the covenant of marriage, she is compelled to promise obedience to her husband, he becoming to all intents and purposes her master, the law given him power to deprive her of her liberty and to administer chastisement. He has so framed the laws of divorce as to what shall be the proper causes of divorce, in case of separation, to whom the guardianship of the children shall be given, as to be wholly regardless of the happiness of women, the law, in all cases, going upon the false supposition of the supremacy of man, and giving all power into his hands, after depriving her of all rights as a married woman, if single, and the owner of property, he has taxed her to support a government which recognizes her only when her properly can be made profitable to it. Right now, you might be struggling through your classes or even failing them. You might be worried that you may not finish high school. There might have even been a thought that you may not be smart enough. Well, the New Heights Educational Group begs to differ. We not only think you are smart enough, but with our help, you will complete your high school diploma. The New Heights Educational Group strives to improve your academic success through its tutoring services. To learn more, please visit newheightseducation.org and contact us. New Heights Educational Group, educational resources to help reach your goals.
listeners. If you're enjoying the New Heights show on education and want to support or donate to our organization, please visit www.newheightseducation.org. And while you're there, check out our online store. Welcome back to the New Heights Show on Education. My name is Barbara Bullen, and I'm the radio host for this show. This show is pre-recorded and focuses on the history of civil rights, the continuation of the first segment of the show on the report of the Seneca Falls Convention where the Declaration of Sentiments will continue. He has monopolized nearly all the profitable employments and from those she is permitted to follow, she receives but a scanty remuneration. He closes against all her all the avenues to wealth and distinction, which he considers most honorable to himself. As a teacher of theology, medicine or law, she is not known. He has denied her the facilities for obtaining a thorough education, all colleges being closed against her. He allows her in church, as well as state, but a subordinate position claiming apostolic authority for her exclusion from the ministry and, with some exceptions, from any public participation in the affairs of the church. He has created a false public sentiment by giving to the world a different code of morals for men and women by which moral delinquencies, which excludes women from society, are not only tolerated, but deemed of little account in man. He has usurped the prerogative of Jehovah himself, chiming it as his light to assign for her a sphere of action, when that belongs to her conscience and her God. He has endeavored in every way that he could to destroy her confidence in her own powers, to lessen her self-respect, and to make her willing to lead a dependent and abject life. Now, in view of this entire disfranchisement of one half, the people of this country, their social and religious degradation, in view of the unjust laws above mentioned, because women do feel themselves aggrieved, oppressed, and fraudulently deprived of their most sacred rights, we insist that they have immediate admission to all the rights and privileges which belong to them as citizens of these United States. In entering upon the great work before us, we anticipate no small amount of misconception, misrepresentation and ridicule, but we shall use every instrumentality within our power to effect our object. We shall employ agents, circulate tracts, petition the state and national legislatures and endeavor to enlist the pulpit and the press in our behalf. We hope this convention will be followed by a series of conventions embracing every part of the country, firmly relying upon the final triumph of the right and the true. We do this day affix our signatures to this declaration. Lucretia Mott, Harriet Cady Eaton, Margaret Pryor, 
Elizabeth Cady Stanton, Eunice Newton Foote, Hannah Plant, Lucy Jones, Sarah Whitney, Mary H. Hallowell, Elizabeth Conklin, Mary Ann McClintock, Margaret Shuley, Martha C. Wright, Jane C. Hunt, Amy Post, Catherine F. Stebbins, Mary Ann Frank, Lydia Mount, Delia Matthews, Catherine C. Payne, Elizabeth W. M. Clintock, Malvina Seymour, Phoebe Mosher, Catherine Shaw, Deborah Scott, Sarah Hallowell, Mary M. McClintock, Mary Gilbert, Sophron Taylor, Cynthia Davis, Mary Martin, P.A. Culvert, Susan R. Doty, Rebecca Race, Sarah A. Mosher, Mary E. Vale, Lucy Spaulding, Lavinia Latham, Sarah Smith, Sally Pitcher, Mary Conklin, Susan Quinn, Mary S. Mirror, Phoebe King, Julie Ann Drake, Charlotte Woodard, Martha Underhill, Dorothy Matthews, Eunice Barker, Sarah R. Woods, Lydia Guild, Sarah Hoffman, Elizabeth Leslie, Martha Ridley, Rachel D. Bonnell, Betsy Tewsbury, Rhoda Palmer, Margaret Jenkins, Cynthia Fuller, Eliza Martin, Maria E. Wilbur, Elizabeth D. Smith, Caroline Barker, Anne Porter, Experience Gibbs, Antoinette E. Seeger, Hannah J. Latham, Sarah Sisson. The following are the names of the gentlemen present in favor of the movement. Richard P. Hunt, Samuel D. Tillman, Justin Williams, Alicia Foote, Frederick Douglass, Henry W. Seymour, Henry Seymour, David Solding, William G. Barker, Eliza J. Dotty, John Jones, William S. Dell, James Mott, William Burroughs, Charles L. Hoskins, Thomas M. Clintock, Saren Phillips, Jacob Chamberlain, Jonathan Metcalf, Nathan J. Milliken, S. E. Woodworth, Edward F. Underhill, George W. Pryor, Joel Bunker, Isaac Van Tassel, Thomas Dell, E. W. Apron, Stephen Shear, Robert Smaldridge, Jacob Matthews, Henry Hatley, Azalea Shuley. The meeting adjourned until two o'clock. Afternoon session. At the appointed hour, the meeting convened. The minutes having been read, the resolutions of the day before were read, 
and taken up separately, some from the self-evident truth elicited but little remark, others after some criticism, much debate, and some slight alterations were finally passed by a large majority. The meeting closed with a forcible speech from Lucretia Mott. Adjourned to half past seven o'clock, evening session. The meeting opened by reading the minutes. Thomas McClintock in the chair. As there had been no opposition expressed during the convention to this movement, and although, after repeated invitations, no objections had presented themselves, E.C. Stanton volunteered an address in defense of the many severe accusations brought against the much-abused Lords of Creation. Thomas McClintock then read several extracts from, from Blackstone in proof of woman's servitude to man, after which Lucretia Mott offered and spoke to the following resolution resolved, that the speedy success of our cause depends upon the zealous and untiring efforts of both men and women for the overthrow of the monopoly of the pulpit and for the securing to women an equal participation with men in the various trades, professions, and commerce. The resolution was adopted. M. A. McClintock, Jr. delivered a short but impressive address calling upon woman to arouse from her lethargy and be true to herself and her God. When she had concluded, Frederick Douglass arose and in an excellent and appropriate speech ably supported the cause of woman. The meeting was closed by one of Lucretia Mott's most beautiful and spiritual appeals. She commanded the earnest attention of that large audience for nearly an hour. M. A. McClintock, E. N. Foote, Amy Post, E. W. McClintock, and E. C. Stanton were appointed a committee to prepare the proceedings of the convention for publication. Citation. Report of the Women's Rights Convention held at Seneca Falls, New York, July the 19th and 20th, 1848 proceedings and declaration of sentiments rochester new york john dick at the north star office miller n a w s a suffrage suffrage scrapbooks 1897 to 1911 scrapbook 6 page 68 rare book and special collections division library of congress washington dc that comes to the conclusion of the show. You can reach me by email, barbarab at newheightseducation.org. Be sure to join me every Sunday at radio.newheightseducation.org, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as I discuss the history of civil rights. Also join Olanian Tabert's pre-recorded radio show, which airs by Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and Pamela Clark's pre-recorded shows, which airs Wednesday by 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Civil rights is our right. Have a great week. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to rate us and follow us on your podcast player. Check out our show page, radio.newheightseducation.org for monthly announcements and other happenings.
new on Curiosity Street. Louis B. Mayer, Jack Warner, William Fox. Hollywood was the city of dreams, but the beginnings were a nightmare. You will never work in this town again! It's Titans, the rise of Hollywood. And Merapi, one of the world's most active volcanoes. Can we better predict its next deadly eruption? A new expedition hunts for life-saving answers on exploring the volcano. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com.